Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at dcaureview.com. Now, here's today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 117 of the DCAU Review. I am one of your hosts, Cal, and with me is my good brother, Liam. Liam, welcome to episode 117 of the DCAU Review, and this is a little bit of a homecoming. Yes, we've uh, we've been away for quite a bit, but we have moved back in to the show we started everything off with, going all the way back to episode one. We are back with Batman the Animated Series, and we are picking up right where we left off, unfortunately, and that is with the episode Tiger Tiger. Yeah, man, this is a interesting episode. We alluded to it, I think, uh, this week on Twitter, you mentioned that it's unintentionally, it just so happens to work out, that this is a creature feature month, we're unofficially calling it that. Uh, because of the episodes that we're tackling this month, which have this weird sort of uh, sci-fi splicer human experiment with animals thing going on. Yeah, we. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not exactly sure what was going on in the uh, in the production uh, <laughs> at the time. I guess we were we were all working through some stuff. It was the early '90s, and uh, yeah, we uh, we have this one, and then yeah, coming up later in the month, we have uh, a couple other episodes that feature uh, the Dark Knight taking on some uh, half man, half animal creatures. There we go. All right. Well, as you mentioned, this is uh, this episode titled Tiger Tiger, and for those of you who are looking to spell this correctly at home, it is indeed Tiger with a Y. Uh, because it's uh, taken from the William Blake poem, The Tiger. Impress your friends with that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, this episode originally aired back on, get this, October 30th, 1992. So we're hanging around Halloween here. Uh, it just Ooh. happens to be a little spooky episode. <laughs> so we're coming up on the 28-year anniversary of that episode this year before we get into breaking down our four categories as we do each and every week liam though i imagine that you are well prepared with the internet movie database that's right the imdb official synopsis for this week's episode absolutely i am and this is for the episode tiger tiger which was written by michael reeves randy rogel and shuri wilkinson that's right three people Directed by Frank Parr, with music by by Todd Hayen, and animation by the Dong Yang Animation Company. And that synopsis reads as such. Selena Kyle is captured by a mad scientist and transformed into a humanoid cat creature. Uh, uh, very descriptive. <laughs> thank, thank you, guys. I appreciate Much appreciated with that one. Um, 
right off the bat here, before we jump into anything, and I guess this could have gone into visuals, but I'm just going to start us off with this. But uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you happen to notice, but the title card for this week's episode featured the very popular font choice of Papyrus. Ah, yes. Which, if, if, you're, if you're at all familiar with the Papyrus font, it is one of nowadays, you know, years and years and years and years advented into, in, into like, computers and technology <laughs> and stuff. It's one of those, it's like Comic Sans. It's like one of those that has quite the reputation of being just, like, very low budget used for ridiculous different things. But, yep, uh, Tiger Tiger features the Papyrus font uh, on the title card. So, a uh, little fun, fun little fact <laughs> for you font nerds out there. There you go. But then we're going to get into the actual description there. Everything that was left out by that very, very minimalist description by the IMDb synopsis. So, Liam, uh, yes, we have a Selena Kyle story. She's back, baby. That's right. You missed her last appearance. It was in a quite memorable episode titled Cat Scratch Fever, which you can hear in the archives at dcaureview.com. If only to hear us just absolutely tear that episode apart. <laughs> yeah, it was a bad one. And uh, this one is better than that. But... <laughs> All right. Well, let's just let's just jump into plot here. Um, now, as uh, as we were discussing off off uh, off mic here, this is actually based on a novel. And obviously there were several movie adaptations, but this is based on a specific novel. Is that correct? Uh, so yeah, so this takes some some clues from the H.G. Wells story, uh, which was called "The Island of Doctor Moreau." And Liam, would you would you like to hear the official Wikipedia synopsis <laughs> for the Island of Doctor Moreau? I sure would. More than anything in the world, Ron. Okay, perfect. I'm glad you asked because, or glad you said yes because even if you had said yeah, no, you still would have gotten it. <laughs> All right, so here is the official Wikipedia synopsis for the book, uh, The Island of Dr. Moreau. In my best fake announcer voice that I'm trying to imitate Liam doing. (laughs) It's a little bit of a long one, much longer than that IMDb synopsis. The Island of Dr. Moreau is an 1896 science fiction novel by English author H.G. Wells. The text of the novel is the narration of Edward Prendick, a shipwrecked man rescued by a passing boat who is left on the island home of Dr. Moreau, a mad scientist who creates human-like hybrid beings from animals via vivisection. The novel deals with a number of philosophical themes, including pain and cruelty, moral responsibility, human identity, and human interference with nature. Wells described it as an exercise in youthful blasphemy. Well, yeah, that's, uh, that's a lot of words. <laughs> so let's just start this off by saying, uh, yeah, they, it's loose. When I say, when I say they, it's loosely based or it's, there's some, some loose basing in certain plot points, it's extremely loose. There is an island, there is a mad scientist, and there is some human-animal hybrids. Uh, that's kind of where it stops. <laughs> yeah, so as our, as our IMDb synopsis sort of uh, mentions, although, again, that doesn't do a great job, yeah, uh, Bruce and Selena are on a, are, are going on a friend date because, again, we've established she is not interested in the slightest in Bruce Wayne. Um, <laughs> he's he's just standing outside like a loser waiting for her to show up, and she obviously has better things to do. 
but she she was too nice to tell him no. So he's waiting around for her. Meanwhile, she's off at the zoo looking at this tiger for some reason. Um, <laughs> uh, at which point she is attacked by who else but an ape man named Garth. Um, at Garth? Garth. His name is Garth. Like the like Dana Carvey's character in in uh in Wayne World in Wayne's World. Oh okay. Um. So yeah. yeah, and then she is taken to this island by Garth, I guess, and she is turned into a half woman, half cat, I guess, with the express purpose of creating a mate for this other human cat hybrid thing called Tigress that this evil Dr. Dorian has created. And uh, Batman basically goes to the island and he fights Tigress for a while. And then the everything blows up and uh, we have kind of a, a sad ending as Tigress realizes he cannot abide by his father's cruelty, but that all, but he also feels he no longer has a place in the world. So I guess he just kind of goes to hang out on the island. Yeah, it's a little bit of of the Incredible Hulk ending that you got from the. Uh, if you're not familiar with it, there was a there was an Incredible Hulk television show in the I guess it was 70s. Yeah, 70s, mm-hmm. right? 70s show where it seemingly every episode ended with uh, Bill Bixby who played uh, played Dr. Bruce Banner. And uh, he would find himself in a new town every episode where he would fall in love with the local female that damsel in distress that he needed to rescue only for the end for not to work out him not to be able to have a relationship. The rain would start to come down and he would walk away all sad, realizing he was all alone. And there's some very, 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 very Bruce Banner slash Bill Bixby Hulk series vibes here with him just unfortunately, which I guess was also a, a trope they sort of used in the Hulk comics during that during that 60s and 70s run also where he was just sort of this he's a monster he can't have a real actual relationship with people but he also can't just like go back to what he was doing before so he just has to be Mm -hmm. by himself yeah so it's it's interesting obviously these characters are kind of just invented for this episode and then never seen again uh save for one tie-in comic book appearance uh later on but uh, yeah, we do get some backstory. Maybe the most interesting thing is the episode is that uh, once Selina is captured, he uh, Batman goes to see Kirk Langstrom, a.k.a. the Man Bat, um, where we discover that this crazy Dr. Dorian was actually once uh, like business partners with with Langstrom. And if, keeping in mind what Kirk Langstrom was up to and on Leather Wings, apparently what dr dorian was doing was just too was just too crazy which was he was like mixing cats and monkeys together and stuff um so (laughs) (laughs) that was a step too far for for kirk langstrom uh uh but yeah so so from there like i said it's just batman goes to the island he confronts this tight tigress this half man half cat um, who at first seems to be a total savage, but then throughout the near the end of the episode, you realize he can talk and he's he's sort of, you know, he's so single minded in his quest to destroy Batman because he thinks that'll make uh, Selina fall in love with him. And then once Batman and Selina both kind of explain to him that, no, that's that's not how any of this works. He 
sort of turns on uh, Dr. Dorian, who he, he constantly refers to as his father throughout the whole episode. And uh, yeah, like I said, there's there's some explosions, and then uh, T- Tigress does save Dr. Dorian's life, turns him over to Batman, asks him to get him help, and uh, and gives gives Catwoman the cure to turn her back human. And that's sort of uh, the end of the episode, as you mentioned. And when we end with uh, him, as you said, uh, very similar to the the Bill Bixby Luther Igno Hulk, just walking off sad, not knowing where his place in the world is. Yeah, what did you think of um what did you think of the fact that they didn't even bother to show Catwoman's transformation back to her human form? They just like Batman Batman gets the what the you know, the scientist claims to be the mutagen that's going to turn her back into into human form, but you don't actually see the process happen. It, like the scene the scene the episode ends with Catwoman just standing there with Batman still in half cat's half human form. Mhm. Yeah, I mean, I guess I I mean, obviously she comes back later and she's not half cat, so we know it worked, but yeah, it's kind of a the ending is very uh I mean, again, I understand they were going for that beat of tragedy of, you know, this creature that was brought into the world not of its own accord who then has its entire worldview upended and is now left with nothing. They were trying to end on this big tragic note and, you know, makes, as, as you said, like perhaps like the novel, uh, the Island of Dr. Moreau did back in the day, you know, make, make commentary about man tampering with nature and, and things like that. But yeah, it, it is very like, it's kind of a, a little bit of a, of a wet fart of an ending where he just walks off and we just kind of pan up and Batman reads a poem to us. Yeah, yeah. Batman reading a poem was cool. Um, yeah. I mean, it's always cool to hear Kevin, Kevin Conroy, Kevin Conroy doing that. We'll talk about that in voice acting. But um, all right. Well, I, you know, there's a couple things I thought was that were interesting. I got some some pretty interesting King Kong vibes right at the beginning uh, when when Catwoman's in the and, and I thought they were being subtle with it, but then the police officer calls or the security guard calls the, the half ape man Kong Garth right. Kong. So then I was oh. like, well, that's kind of overt. <laughs> Actually, uh, before, before we move on to, to our other categories or give our scores here, I just, well, I want to talk about Garth for a minute. Sure. Um, so everything else in this episode is that Dr. Dorian is obsessed with cats. Right. Every animal we see on the Island is like, it's like half bird, half cat, half lemur, half cat. Half iguana, half cat. <laughs> right. We see all these different weird uh, combination things that are all half cat, except for this one dude, his like right hand henchman, who's a gorilla man. And he's just like, everything else is cats, but there's this one gorilla guy. Yeah, I guess it was before he figured out the cat fetish. I don't know. I don't well, know. I mean, like, I mean and the, you could explain this away by saying like he was my, and I think they do say that garth was his first experiment so i guess you could say that well human dna and and ape dna are closer in relationship so he did that that combination first because it was like easier so he basically he was like the 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 test dummy uh for this process and then once he was confident in turning people into ape men he's like well now i can do cats 
Um, that's, I guess that's like an explanation, but it just, it just sticks out to me so much that literally every other thing we see him, we see him having done on this Island and the weird creature that Kirk Langstrom, I guess, just keeps in a cage on his desk in case Batman stops by, um, (laughs) in case anyone comes to ask him about this Dr. Door and he's like, oh yeah, we got the, we got the cat monkey sitting over there. Uh, I'll show him to you. My analysis shows that it's similar to the compound that turned you into the man-bat. You're right. It's called T-99, the brainchild of Dr. Emile Dorian. What is it? One of the good doctor's early experiments. Shh. It's okay. So Dorian uses cats for his research? In a way. He likes cats better than people, won't experiment on them. When I worked with him, he used primates, monkeys, changed their genotypes with feline DNA. Where can I find him? He owns an island off the coast. He retired there after people started protesting his genetic engineering work. But everything else is cats. Cat monkey in a cage, too. too. Like, it's it's also still a very small cage. (laughs) He's being just as cruel to that animal. Uh, Yeah, I, I, there, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't I don't understand that. I mean, I don't even know what they were smoking or what they were drinking or what they were <laughs> what their thought process was on. Hey, this makes for an interesting episode, especially knowing they have these other creature feature episodes in the pipeline. Like we have the benefit of 2020, but knowing that they clearly were not working on one episode at a time. These episodes right. were being worked on simultaneously, especially based on we know with the production order is is kind of what they're how they're featured on the DVDs. So with so many of these episodes back to back, was there an was there a lost episode where these were all going to cross over? Sort of like <laughs> you mentioned, you mentioned there's a tie-in comic, and that's uh, the Batman Adventures Volume One, uh, issue number twenty-one, and that there's a crossover between uh, the, the the Wolfman from Moon of the Wolf, which we'll cover later this month, Man Bat, and uh tigress so was there was that originally going to be an episode that they thought would be interesting or did they have plans for these characters later on because like you said it's it's just kind of a all right this is the end and now he lives on this island all by himself and i guess he lives off of iguana cats like i was like does he yeah does he eat his fellow cat creatures i i I guess uh, or he's dead one or the other he just (laughs) dies he just walks off and dies um yeah it's a bizarre it's a bizarre thought process a guy who's obsessed with cats so much that he decided to create a real life version of the cats from the cats broadway show slash movie like all right man i was gonna say these these cat people aren't quite as haunting as the the 2019 cgi cats movie was to be fair to be fair, not much is, <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. This the, the plot was very much all over the place. Um, you have some familiar tropes with the mad scientist messing with things that he shouldn't be, but at the end of the day, there's I I don't quite understand. There was no quite not quite a moral of the story, like you said. I guess it could be don't mess with things we're not supposed to mess with, but I. Was there a lot of human cat experimenting going on in the early '90s that I'm not aware of? I mean, I, I was mean, like, I'm trying. To I was like what, five what and you weren't born yet, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure like, it's not a thing. 
<laughs> yeah, I was trying to think like what what's the real world metaphor for this? Because obviously, when when you have someone like poison ivy on an episode, okay, environmentalism, eco terrorism, that kind of stuff, that's like a real thing that can right. be discussed about you know what's what's going too far as far as protecting the environment versus what needs to be done, like that kind of stuff. That's right. that that's a pretty clear like real world. Uh, <laughs> Uh, analogies to be made there. I'm not sure what analogies we're making by, uh, you know, loosely adapting this H.G. Wells novel and talking about how cats are the next step in human evolution. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, 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 I like I said, I, there's some stuff that's interesting. Like I said, I, th- I think the ending is interesting, although it, uh, not showing Selena tra- transforming back as you mentioned, and then not really ever having any sort of follow-up to this episode, despite it sort of ending on this down somber note. Um, I, I gotta say, I just overall, from a story perspective, I just, I, I, I didn't really enjoy myself. So I went with a four out of 10. Well, you were more generous than I was my friend. Cause I went with a three out of 10 for this episode Oof. for plot. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just not, not very good. <laughs> As far as <laughs> plot, and unfortunately, this is the second Catwoman episode in a row that we really haven't enjoyed the plot. Uh, you know, as we already mentioned, Cat Scratch Fever. It's man, it, it's tough because Catwoman is such. Be- well, I guess she's evolved. Maybe at, she's definitely evolved into such an important character in the Batman lore yeah. that it's it's very difficult to poo-poo another Catwoman episode, but. Granted, she wasn't even she she was just sort of a player in this episode that Batman got to rescue, sort of. Yeah, I, I almost think this could work better as like a Superman episode or something. I don't know why. Or like like I could see this being like a, like one of the Fleischer shorts or something. Yeah, there's um, some Fleischer vibes in there, certainly yeah, I, with the again, Mad Scientist. Like yeah, just the, the Mad Scientist who kidnaps the hero's girl and. Uh, yeah, there's there's a little bit of that where I feel like this. Yeah, this could be like a Fleischer Superman short, but yeah, as a as a Batman story, again, we're so you know we're we're into the you know the second batch of these, the second set of DVDs at least, and uh, but it's Batman to this point in the series is still for the most part pretty grounded and and gritty, and obviously there's been things like Clayface or or Mister Freeze or some of the more or man bat for that matter. That <laughs> I was going to say more. we kicked off with a with a half human half bat story, yeah. but even that felt more grounded, I think, than this yeah. episode did. Yeah, there's like this this one doesn't. I don't feel like it quite plays by the rules that had been set up. Because again, we, we're we're certainly conditioned to accept a certain amount of of sci-fi and and craziness and and monsters even to an extent in, in our in our show so far, but. Yeah, this one I, I feel like I don't know I don't know if it's the setting like the jungle setting and we're we're spending most of the episode on this island or or what exactly but yeah it's just it just from a story from a narrative perspective doesn't really feel like it fits with uh, even some of the crazier episodes of the series we've reviewed up to this point. Agreed. All right, uh, so moving on, Liam, let's move on to our next category. We will discuss our visuals and animation. How about that? Uh, so That's as good. you mentioned, 
as you mentioned, Dong Yang did the animation for this episode. So that, of course, means that we have Batman with the super long chin, super <laughs> su- like I felt like the ears on his costume in this episode were ridiculously long. Like we're we're approaching Justice League length here. I was gonna say there's there's one shot that's like a side profile of him when he's walking through the jungle. That if the nose wasn't drooping down so far of the cow, I would have been like, that looks straight up like, and the cape was all around him, so you can't really see the suit details. I was like, this straight up looks like the Justice League design. If, I, if it's if it's the same scene I'm thinking of, I wrote down Kelly Jones Batman appears. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you don't who aren't familiar, Kelly Jones was the the artist who did a lot of uh, Batman covers, Detective Comics covers in the mid '90s, especially around the Nightfall era. Whom I have a have a soft spot for. I absolutely love uh, his covers and his his same. covers are very iconic for that time period. However, they're really not based in any sort of reality, and he in long the ears on Batman's costume to a ridiculous length. Very true. <laughs> uh, but yes, that's that that was a uh, I was very distracted by that. But yeah, it's, and it's one of those things where we've talked about this in the past. Generally, it doesn't distract me as long as it's consistent for the whole episode. Like we talked about mm-hmm. that, we kind of chalk it up to the same way we would with, you know, a, like we said, like a, a Jim Lee drawing a comic versus a Kelly Jones drawing a comic. It's just a different right. type of artist. Right. But yeah, even within this sort of, you know, longer chin, you know, droopier nose of the cow and the longer swoop back ears, like you said, even then there was a little bit of inconsistency in just like how long the ears were in certain shots, how uh, how far the nose of the cow drooped down. Like even within this sort of uh, alternate take on the Batman model that we're used to by now, it still seemed a little out of place even for that. Yeah, it, it there was one shot where they panned back and Batman was sort of leaning back in his chin. It it I just I it reminded me of the tick. Just a <laughs> super elongated chin, super exaggerated features. Um so I you know there were some there were some interesting visuals to be had in this episode as I think as you posted uh on the clip this week which you can check out on our Instagram at DCAU review and on our Twitter at DCAU review uh, you posted uh, one of my favorite things is finding the old Fox Kids promotional videos that we can dig up on YouTube and uh and posting them but uh, there's a so you found the one for this week's episode and posted it and there's a shot uh, in that, and then of course in the episode of the bat plane flying in front of the moon, very a la 1989 Tim Burton Batman movie mm-hmm. uh, that I thought was a great homage. Which of course the you know this series wouldn't exist if that movie didn't exist. So it was a nice right. nice nod to that. Um, there are some uh, also some bat gadgets that we get in this week's episode, Liam. We get uh, the return of the bat glider, and uh, I believe the first series appearance of the bat net. Yes, we uh, they really they really mix up the gadgetry this week. We get they also there's like there's a shot where they actually show. I guess I never thought about it, but I never really realized how this BTAS original Batman utility belt worked. Mm-hmm. But there's like a shot where he like presses on the top of the little pouch thing, and like it opens at the bottom, and a couple of smoke bombs fall out of it like a little like a gumball machine. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I I guess I never really thought about how that belt functioned because obviously it's it's more obvious with the the later version where he has like the the pockets or the pouches on the belt in the, in the new Batman Adventures and the Justice League look. 
But I, I was like, oh, I guess that's how the belt works. They're all like little little buttons, and he presses it, and when he presses it, the little slot opens up, and he he gets whatever he needs out of it. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good point. That was that was something I never thought about before. That's that's pretty hilarious. Um, I mentioned before there, of course, there are a few visual nods. Uh, the King Kong nod that I mentioned in the very first scene, with Garth carrying around Garth being a half man half monkey gorilla man carrying around uh, a blonde woman at you know around yes. so that there's some good king kong vibes there um there's also a did you notice the homage what i believe was an homage to the 60s batman as batman climbed up the side of the tower as he first lands on the uh the island oh yeah that's a that's a good point i had i hadn't really thought of that as an homage but yeah it's a good point we get a, a good uh, a good long shot of that generally a little bit longer than they would normally hang on a shot like that for sure and and it wasn't the cla- this sort of like side side pan that that you would typically get from the the 60s Batman the Adam West uh, series where he's climbing up the building but it was and sadly Batman. like the Animaniacs didn't pop out of a window to, or the tiny tunes <laughs> rabbits didn't pop out of a window to make a celebrity cameo while he was climbing up the building uh, that would have maybe made this episode a point or two better in my uh, in my plot <laughs> points if that had happened but I uh, yeah, so I, I thought that was a that was a uh, a nod that stuck out to me, reminded me of uh, '60s Batman there, and uh, I think it's time, Liam, that we talk about the overall design of the human cat hybrids. Uh, I have my feelings about them. Uh, I'd love to get your thoughts on them. Um, so it's weird because I find them deeply unsettling. <laughs> But I guess that's the point. Like, they're supposed to look weird and creepy and not right. Um, like, I really hate that cat, the, the way, like, Selena, Selena looks. Like, that creep, that's yeah, just it's creepy bad. as crap to me. Um, and again, I don't know if it's good because that's what they're going for or if I just hated it as, like, an artistic choice. Um, Tigress, I didn't dislike as much, although again, he, he approaches more of a werewolf look to me than a, 100%. Than a cat. 100%. I mean, obviously he, he has the ears and kind of the, the, the nose and whiskers of a cat, but everything else, he's just this big hulking gray thing. And it's funny, obviously we have a, an episode where Batman fights a literal werewolf coming up soon. Um, but yeah, so I was like, well, that he barely even looks like a cat. I guess he's supposed to be more of like a jaguar or a panther than a than a traditional cat but yeah i i was not i was not a huge fan of the designs but again i guess maybe that's kind of the point is they're supposed to look creepy and weird uh maybe i don't know i felt like tigress's head was way too tiny for his body <laughs> uh I, like he is, it is abs- unsettling is the word. Like that is absolutely the word to describe it. Uh, they're these anthropomorphic cats walking around and they have tails. And yeah, he's some sort of like, I I don't know. He has like the tufts around his neck, like you mentioned. Like he sort of has a mane, but it doesn't, doesn't sit on his head like a tiger's mane. I mean, like a lion's mane does. Yeah. Uh, it i don't know i don't know who designed these characters uh but i just kept thinking to myself man what i wouldn't kill for a glenn mirakami 
drawing of like a crazy <laughs> alien creature right now uh, yeah. to substitute for these weird cat hybrids because man, oh man, is it hard to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like I said, I, I, I guess that's kind of the point is that it's supposed to look creepy and off, but yeah, then there's things like you said, like the proportions on Tigris that just seem weird and off and, and yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. Like I said, I, I, I went back and forth on scoreship for for this section. Uh, there are a few other things I did actually like. Um, uh, one, we, we kind of mentioned at the top of the show, the title card I think is really great. Um, mm-hmm. It kind of mirrors the very final shot of the episode as uh, the as as we mentioned, Batman's reading a poem and and we see Tigress sort of standing on a cliff and and the moon's in the background and that's sort of what we get with the the opening uh, title card. But Tiger, tiger, burning bright in the forests of the night. What immortal hand or eye dare frame thy fearful symmetry? I did think that looked very striking, and I was, I, I was, it was one of the things I was like, oh, this is, we're getting off on a, on the right foot here. This is, a, this is very striking visually, and then. Sadly, the rest of the episode happened, and uh, that sort of slowly brought down the story. I do think from an animation standpoint, it's a pretty solid episode. There's nothing particularly stiff or, or rigid or uh, about the animation itself. Um, the, the scene where they're on, like, the rickety rope bridge that's breaking, and, and Tigress is running after Batman, and Batman's kind of trying to steady himself, and then one of the ropes snaps, so they're kind of hanging and swaying uh, I, I thought that was really well done. And then they're like crashing, falling and crashing through trees and stuff. I thought, I thought that was a pretty interesting fight and sequence. I um, did too, except, except for the part where Tig, Tig, uh, clearly drops like a thousand feet, but somehow survives. I was going to say, yeah, the background is like, it's, it's so deep and cavernous that they didn't even finish drawing the background. We don't know if there's like a river at the bottom, because it's just like this, you know, brown jagged rocks and this cavern, and then he he falls into this just like gray nothingness, and we we kind of lose him. And as he as he falls, it's like the old like Wiley e. Coyote falling at the end of some of those uh, the Roadrunner cartoons. But uh, yeah, that's that, that that was interesting. But I do I do think at least from an animation standpoint that that scene was uh, was interesting. But yeah, the rest of it, like we said, it's. Like he, Tigress gets mad and starts throwing things in the lab at the end of the episode. He just knocks over some sort of vat of chemicals, which just immediately bursts into flames. Uh, like it's not even like he throws something else and there's a spark. Like it just, like this liquid spills out and then it just catches fire immediately. And uh, and then yeah, there's a, there's big explosions and and Batman and Catwoman and Garth escape and then. I do like the shot, like I said, of of, uh, of Tigress walking out of sort of the shadows, holding Doctor Dorian at the end of the episode, and and like I said, then we have the last shot, which sort of mirrors the title card. So there is some good stuff visually here, but it's a very mixed bag, and so I ended up with a score of six out of ten for my visuals. Yeah, um, I would say the only thing that's, I mean, that's respectable based on the amount of stuff that we talked about here and i think i was ready to give this one a pretty low score as well 
uh, to me, I think the thing that saved this 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 episode, and actually, I I ended up giving it a, the exact same score. I gave a six out of ten mm-hmm. for visual animation. Uh, but I think the scene that deserves to be talked about is that final scene, um, especially from the point on where uh, where Selena is talking uh, to Tigris about the you know he he has to come with her, and um, goodbye, Selena. Wait, won't you come with us? There's nothing for you here. There's nothing for me anywhere. You know, she says there, you know, there's nothing for you here. And then he says, well, there's nothing for me anywhere. And there's like a lightning strike that happens. There's mm. some deep, weird expression on his face at that time. And the rain starts to come down. There's sort mm. of like a weird light source coming from sort of off screen that lights the scene really, really well, despite it being sort of like this nighttime in the middle of the forest type scene. It's done really, really well. And then, it, of course, it pans up to, uh, you know, Tyra sitting on the on the top of the mountain as Batman is, you know, the Batman voiceover kicks in of the uh, of the William Blake poem. But uh, I thought that scene was just absolutely done, done incredibly well. There was some, definitely some like anime vibes that that snuck in there um, in that mm-hmm. scene, especially in the expression of, of Tigress's face. So I, I went ahead, like I said, and gave it a six out of ten. But a lot of that score, I think, came from that final scene. Yeah, fair enough. All right, Liam. So let's move on to our next category, which is going to be music. Ha, ah, man, it's great to be back and be able to listen to some of this music <laughs> isolated. Thank you, uh, Warner Brothers and La La Land Records for releasing the soundtrack. Uh, hey, you should do that with the rest of the soundtracks, too. But hey, I, I, I digress. I jump off my soapbox for a moment uh, to say that <laughs> I think the music is, uh, is really... Uh, pretty good for this episode. Um, I think that this this c- episode probably could have used a very strong, identifiable theme throughout that mm-hmm. sort of set it apart. Um, sort of going back in my head, that's without having seen the episode yet. But Moon of the Wolf, as we keep talking about it, drawing parallels because it's coming up because of the the thematic elements. But that episode has a very unique soundtrack from my recollection, um, which makes it stand out, which to me I feel like is is going to be a, a benefit to it. This, mm-hmm. there's some thematic music. The the scene that you talked about on the on the rope bridge, I think was greatly enhanced by the soundtrack uh, overall. And there's, there's some tension building music as Batman is sort of being hunted uh, in the, through the forest. But uh, yeah, there wasn't a unique standout theme that I heard at least, but there's some good thematic stuff that works well with the action. Yeah. I think uh, it kind of set the music, I think is uh, almost unquestionably the best part of the episode. I think it, right from that opening title card like i said the title card's very striking and the music as you said kind of does a good job of setting the mood um i was i was kind of surprised not necessarily in a bad way but we don't get that like big dramatic dun 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 when we get the reveal of uh of catwoman in uh in her new form um which i was kind of waiting for so i thought it was interesting that the music kind of played kind of held back there a little bit and 
really allowed the the voice actors to be the the ones to drive the emotion of that scene. Um, uh, you know, as always, love love the uh, the Shirley Walker Batman theme, which we don't get a ton of, but we get a little bit of here, and uh, we get uh, we get a little bit of the the Catwoman's theme as well in uh, in her first theme when she's at the when she's at the zoo at night. Uh, uh, looking at the tigers uh, in the museum, and uh, actually, I actually thought we, we've talked a lot about that final scene already in visuals. But yeah, the the music really swells there at the end when uh, when when tiger when tigress looks back at at Selena, as you mentioned, and says, "There's there's nothing for me anywhere," and and sort of walks off. And as the rain starts, the music really comes with this really sort of sad uh, crescendo, and it's it's. It's really well done in, in that scene. Um, yeah, for for all those reasons, I, I gave music a seven out of ten. Oh, wouldn't you know it? And just as a reminder, we definitely don't discuss our scores <laughs> beforehand. But I also gave music a seven out of ten. Um, you know, again, would have been a little bit higher with a with a unique standout theme, but uh, I think it's strong in the parts that we discussed already. So, uh, you know, great great job overall. All right, Liam, that brings us to our final category for today's episode, that being voice acting. Not a very large cast this week due to the limited amount of characters that we have here. Uh, so who of note is there to discuss for this week's voice cast? Yeah, we have uh, Mark Singer returning briefly as, as Dr. Kirk Langstrom. Uh, as we said, we sort of we get some allusions to... Uh, the the similarities between this this ape creature and and the man bat and and that sort of sets Batman off on the mystery and it, I I liked that because again it it didn't have to be you could just have Batman be a detective and figure it out in some other way but adding a little bit of continuity that he would go to see if you know if he's if he's finding half men half animals he's going to go to his leading <laughs> half animal expert in Kirk Langstrom. Like I, I liked that they used him there and it was, it was cool to have uh, Mark Singer back voicing him there. Um, we have uh, Joseph Marr as Dr. Dorian, uh, who folks might know from the movie sister act or the nineties version of the Mars attacks movie. Um, what did you think of him as, as uh, the, the villain of the piece? Uh, I appreciate that he didn't go full Skeletor. Like he's not completely over the top mm-hmm. Saturday morning cartoon villain. Um, but I think there were times where he could have used a little more emotion. I don't know. I, I think he was okay for what he they asked of him. Um, I wasn't. I I didn't think it was by any means. Uh, wow, this is an amazing performance that deserves uh, extreme recognition by any means. But I, I thought he was okay. What about you? Yeah, I was I was kind of back and forth. I think he's good in those first few scenes where you have uh, him playing off of uh, Adrian Barbeau's Catwoman and Nurse Selina Kyle. Ah, I see you've met Tybris. He seems to like you, Miss Kyle. Go. It's time for your exercises. This is called kidnapping. The last I heard, it was highly illegal. Who are you? My name is Emil Dorian, but that doesn't begin to tell you who I am. Tybris is my creation, Miss Kyle. You've already met my first attempt at altering human genetic structure, Garth the Ape-Man. A simple by force. 
food but serviceable. But Tybrus, ah, uh, he is the pinnacle of my art. I designed him from scratch, so to speak. I've given him the strength and speed of a cat and more. I love cats. Their independence, their power and beauty. And she's sort of reacting to this, and he's so matter-of-fact about uh, while well, he, he's explaining his experiments and and all of this. I think I think he's good there, but yeah, towards the end there, when when he's sort of yelling at at Tigress for not finishing the job on Batman and and all this stuff. I, I felt like he was a, he was just a little too understated. He, he sounded a little too calm. And by this point, it feels like he should be really fully unhinged, you know, really putting the mad and mad scientist by that point in the episode. And it gets a little I think he gets a little better as that scene goes on, as Tiger starts to break things and the fire breaks out and he's you know, he's yelling that all, all he ever wanted was to help him. There's there's a little bit, it gets a little better there. But uh, yeah, overall, I, I thought he was, he was just all right. Not not terrible by any means, but yeah, maybe you, maybe you could have used a little bit more over the top in, in some of those scenes towards the end. And then we have, uh, as, as sort of offhandedly mentioned there, we have the returning Adrian Barbeau as Catwoman. Um, I think she's fine for what they ask of her. But again, as we speak, spoke about uh we're not a huge fan of this from a narrative perspective i don't like i don't think there's anything she could have done better but she's just kind of there to react to things and then i i do think she's good in that final scene as as you mentioned when she when she's sort of first making the appeal to tigress that she she needs to be human again and then and then when she sort of asks him to to come back to, to gotham with them um i i think I think she's good there, but again, I, I feel I more feel for her for the material that she was asked to uh, elevate in this case. Yeah, she wasn't gifted a lot of great stuff. Uh, she is more of a plot device and more of a um, sort of an afterthought, I think, a lot of the times. And uh, the majority of her interactions, uh, whether it be with Batman or Tigress, I didn't think were great, with the exception of that final scene. Um, but again, it's hard It's hard to decide whether or not... I mean, we haven't been blown away by her overall uh, performances in past episodes, from my recollection, mm-hmm. either. Uh, so it's, it's difficult to say, well, this is an isolated incident, because there were episodes that she started in before that maybe she didn't blow us away either. But at the same time... Uh, the last two episodes, we've only reviewed three, te- I think, that have had her in it, mm-hmm. and the last two have been real stinkers as far as plot-wise, and very, very limited on what uh, what they had for her character. So, hard, yeah, it's it's hard to it's hard to throw the baby out with the bathwater because I feel like just like we talked about maybe with Lauren Lester with those initial. Uh, Robin episodes that there are better episodes to come that we know, or at least in my mind, we know are, are better. So I would be surprised mm. if that's that's standard for her. But yeah, this this wasn't a great episode for her, but I, I don't think that there was much that she could do with the material that was given to her. Yeah, I think that's fair. And then, yeah, wrapping up our, our voice cast uh, before we get to the man himself, we have uh, Jim Cummings, who voiced both Tigress and Garth in this episode. Uh, who folks would know as the voice of Winnie the Pooh for uh, most of our lives. Get out. As as well as the voice of Tigger, I believe, and and a lot of the, uh, and probably a lot of other ancillary voices in those, uh, 
those yeah those those older cartoons as well as I, I think he did the the voice of Pooh again in the uh, the Ewan McGregor half live action movie that came out a few years ago so yeah the the Winnie the Pooh uh, voicing Tigress and Garth and the Tigress voice it like it very clearly they put some sort of uh, they like they played with it in 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 post production there they put some sort of modulator on it to give it this really deep growl to it um it's certainly memorable <laughs> um, <laughs> um but again i i think it's all just wrapped it's it's hard even though even though we try to separate these things into these different categories for me i think it's like i like i think from from an engineering standpoint it's an interesting voice but it's it's all wrapped up in a plot i don't really care about and visuals that i mostly didn't enjoy all that much so yeah it's it's kind of a, a mixed bag with with the voice acting as well here but i mean i think i think he does a serviceable job and, and we keep coming back to those those final few minutes of the episode i think is where he he does his best work certainly yeah um i i think that that was enough honestly with and i think that um we haven't really talked about yet which i assume we're getting to obviously uh kevin conroy kevin conroy really really is the person despite not having many lines he's the one that has to carry this episode there's a yeah it's a it's a herculean effort on his part um like i think the most when when he first sees uh selena having been turned to this cat creature um and it's it's again it's one of the lines that made it into that fox kids promo but it's him him screaming you've made her a monster and it's so it's again it, that line could be so overdramatic and cheesy and hacky. And he somehow is able to pull it off where that, even though it's, it's sort of this overdramatic line, it's coming from this place where this, it's this woman that he, he Batman deeply cares about. And I think Kevin Conroy is able to get that across, even in the dialogue being sort of very simple and, and overdramatic. I think he does a good job with some of those scenes. Where's Selena Kyle? Temper, temper, Batman. You shall see your Catwoman as you've never seen her before. Selina. What have you done to her? I've made her what she always wanted to be. I've given her power and grace beyond her wildest dreams. You've made her a monster. I believe she would disagree. You can't even begin to imagine how it is for her. A whole new state of being, heightened senses, increased speed, agility, strength. No, I think he's great. I think that uh, there's very, very little bit of Bruce Wayne that he has to play, but there's an amusing part where he goes to the zoo after hearing uh, hearing that there was some a kerfuffle there. Uh, delivered to him by the very, very, very nice waiter who forgot to mention to <laughs> that his date had called and canceled on him just to, or was running late mm-hmm. uh, some time ago. Just happened to forget. Anyway, but as Bruce comes and, t- and talks to one of the police officers uh, as they're interviewing the security guard, uh, he asks them what happened, and the police officer cuts him off and says, uh, Sir, this is, this is police business. And then he says, where is he? Where, what happened? Or whatever right, he yeah. He literally, he asked the same question Bruce asked. It was, it was actually very well-timed comedically. It, it was really good. I, I appreciated that. But so there's a tiny bit of Bruce there, but yeah, the rest of it is, 
Kevin Conroy interacting with the giant cat creature and the mad scientist and his love interest that's turned into a cat. So, uh, half cat i guess so yeah it, it's it's well done it, you know it's it's a clinic that he put on it shows that you can still get some good good voice acting out of it even if the storyline in, in and of itself is, is sort of weak and uh, as we i sort of alluded to or mentioned to before him reading the uh the william blake poem at the very end uh the tiger uh, i thought was thought was it's kind of weird but this whole episode is weird yeah, no, it's it's yeah, it's very odd that they just did this because obviously this isn't something we don't get a lot of like post Batman voiceovers and certainly we don't I don't think we get many uh many uh, chances to hear him recite poems. We do get to hear him sing once uh, once in another show later on, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, we don't we don't uh, we don't get to this I as far as I'm concerned and. and the uh, the DCAU historians out there correct can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe this is the only episode of any DCAU show that ends with Batman reading a poem. <laughs> I'm willing, willing to go out on a limb and make yeah. that claim. I, I would be willing to put money on that. Uh, <laughs> send all send all your corrections to at DCAU review. Uh, Liam runs our Twitter, so if, if we're right. wrong, uh, tell us we're wrong. But yeah, yeah. So that that's unique and that's different. So. Uh, with that, I, I ended up giving uh, voice acting a respectable seven out of ten. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, right behind you there. I'm six out of ten, so certainly no, nothing terrible in there. But like we said, I think you almost could have used a little bit more over the top, a little bit more dramatic, and some of that stuff. You know, some uh, maybe a few of the voice actors more trying to match the, like I said, the the Herculean effort that Kevin Conroy was making. <laughs> um, in in trying to, as they say, elevate the material here, but uh, yeah, overall, no, nothing terrible, but uh, certainly not a uh, nothing to write home about either. All right, Liam. Well, that will total us up for this week. Totaling all of our scores up, I come up with a final score of twenty three out of forty. <laughs> and I, if I am adding my scores up correctly, happen to have come to the exact same score of 23 out of 40. Uh, man. Well, if you're just tuning in, uh, <laughs> we always say we don't compare our scores. We used to like first, I would say, I don't know, 20 some episodes. We would, we would talk about scores before coming on the air. Since then we don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are related. Of course we are the good brothers. So mm-hmm. we, we do do share, share DNA. So, uh, sometimes I think that that leads us to have similar opinions on things. Not we are not without our differences. Where, of course, if you listened last month, you heard us <laughs> widely disagree on a few few things, including the Static Shock soundtrack. But mm-hmm. I digress. Uh, so with that, Liam, getting both coming up with an identical score of 23 out of 40 here. Uh, do we even need to talk about rewatchability? Skip it. Skip it. Skip it. Skip it forever. And the funny thing is, I for some reason in my mind this was an episode. Maybe it was because of the the Batman Adventures issue. This was an episode mm-hmm. that was tied into the Doctor Milo thing. It is not. It is not in any way associated nope. with Doctor Milo. There's no mention of any of these characters later on in any other episodes. So it is. It means nothing. We gained nothing and we lost <laughs> 22 minutes. That's all I can say. Yeah, I mean it's yeah it doesn't 
we don't even get to like retroactively connect it to something like we do with the Milo stuff or the Splicer stuff later on, uh, uh, or or Man Bad or any of that stuff. So yes, it's kind of kind of a bummer in that way. It's just it's this weird little episode that didn't really mean much and it's not very good. <laughs> Put that on the poster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's gonna make the uh, the next Blu-ray release. I don't think they're gonna, gonna put this one episode. Not very good. Didn't mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> the DCAU review gave this 23 out of 40. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that will wrap us up for this week's episode. Thank you everybody for tuning in and listening. Don't forget. You can follow us on our social media pages. We are on Twitter at DCAU Review. Liam runs our Twitter page. He does a fine job of doing so. Liam, we are closing in on 1,000 followers over there. We are excited to announce we just crossed 1,000 followers miraculously on our Instagram page uh, in the last few days. So thank you, everyone, who has been following us. Hopefully that turns into you also listening to our podcast. Uh, if you are listening to us for the first time, uh, do us a favor. Go leave us a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, I guess, as it is known now, leaving us a five-star review and letting people know uh, what you enjoy about the program uh, certainly helped us out a lot and encourages other people to give us a try as well. Uh, don't forget also, Liam, throughout the week, not only are you talking all things DCAU, but DC Universe proper, uh, DC movies, all DC properties are being discussed over on Twitter. But we're also talking about the upcoming episodes that we will be talking about. So as a sneak preview for next week, uh, before talking about it on Twitter, what are we going to be covering on next week's episode? Yes, so as we mentioned a few times throughout this episode, the very next episode in this production order of uh, a Batman the Animated Series happens to be Moon of the Wolf. All right, well, well we out of the frying pan and into the fryer, I guess. Uh, uh, bad news, I'm pretty sure this is another Acom Studios animated episode. Oh, boy. One of the last ones, but yeah, it's... Uh, it's going to be interesting. Like we said, there may be some other elements that elevate this, the, uh, the episode, but I, uh, we, we'll just we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But yes, next week, come right back here, 10 a.m., 9 central, to DCAUreview.com or your favorite podcast app, and you will hear us review Batman versus yet another half-man, half-animal creature. Oh, boy. All right. Well, with that ringing endorsement, until then, I'm Cal. And I'm Liam. And we will talk to you on the very next episode of the DCAU Review. Adios.